Deer Trucking Awesome. What do you think of when someone says tough? Honestly, I think of a Toyota truck. Tundra's one mean mother of a truck with a twin turbo V6, an incredible going power, and the Tacoma claws through terrain with a taller suspension and lots of creature comforts in the cockpit. Both Toyota trucks are decked out with tons of cool features and tech you'll dig. Check them out at toyota.com, folks. Visit your front range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Guys, if you haven't tried out Hassle Cattle Company yet, you are missing out. We brought you damn good beer, and now we're bringing you damn good beef. The good folks at Hassle Cattle Company call it the blue collar Wagyu beef. Why? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford, and it's even more affordable when you use the code DNVR10 at checkout to get 10% off your entire order. And, folks, you got to try out all they have to offer. Uh, The steaks, of course, are incredible. Uh, The jalapeno cheddar smoked sausages will blow your mind. Uh, They have this beef bacon that is really interesting and delicious. And uh, their burger won Food Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. They've got all sorts of delicious stuff you can try at HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com. And again, use that code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. It's Hassle Cattle Company. DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver online. The website msudenver.edu slash online. You can scope out all they have to offer. 40 plus online and hybrid programs, 750 total classes, rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who will bring the real world into the classroom. So again, head over to msudenver.edu slash online today uh, and thank them because they are the presenting sponsor of this show. And quickly, I can see there's a lot of you watching on Periscope. We love you for watching. We recommend you watch on YouTube. It's always a little bit of a better product over there. So uh, move over to YouTube. You won't regret it. Uh, And once you get there, you might as well hit us with a thumbs up and maybe subscribe to the channel. Uh, And you can, of course, sign up for alerts as well every time we go live. My boys, what's going on? How we doing on this Wednesday with the country seemingly warming up just a bit? Yeah, uh, it is a little bit warmer, although it's not 
it's like the first day out of this little cold front that it hasn't been sunny out. I think I'll take the colder temperatures and the blue skies. Oh, man. Mm. Colorado blue skies, 300 days a year. If only uh, Matthew Stafford would have listened to that and uh, <laughs> he wouldn't have thought Denver was so cold. Uh- I don't know. Some of the some of the days with the bluest skies are the coldest ones, though. Like uh, it's when we had those clear skies over the weekend. You know that you knew that the temperature was just going to drop like a stone in the water. So uh, I'll take a cloudy day that uh, keeps the temperatures up a little bit, especially when there are three hundred sunny days. I can live with the sixty-five cloudy ones. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. All right. Well, uh, there was a very interesting report that came out yesterday um as mace called it a spicy nugget uh which uh resonated with me um and it came from mike lombardi who basically said without saying it which you know these these reports are always interesting where it's like i don't know something but i kind of know something um so i'm willing to share it but he said the broncos were close to completing a trade for a quarterback last week. And honestly, I have to admit, I put this on Twitter. Reading that, like, gave me anxiety. Just because, like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know, you know, it was like a coaching coaching search feeling, you know, where when the Broncos are in the midst of a coaching search, you, like, feel guilty taking a shower because you're like, oh, my God, the news is totally going to break while I'm in the shower and I'm going to be behind and I'll miss out. Uh, and it was like that, that like came over me all of a sudden. I'm like, oh my God, there, there could be news at any moment. If they almost made a trade for a quarterback last week, that means that anything could happen at any moment. Um, but obviously the, the, the second response to that is who was it? Exactly. Who was it? So Michael Lombardi, you guys hit us, hit us with who it was. He did throw out the name Carson Wentz, but then did say, you know, publicly they're saying that they're not in the Carson Wentz sweepstakes. So the question is, guys, it probably wasn't Deshaun Watson, right? Just because it does not seem like the Texans are anywhere close to trading Deshaun Watson right now, right? I mean, that's what they that's what they're saying publicly, um, and privately, but I wouldn't rule it out 100%. I would say it's probably a 95% chance it wasn't Deshaun Watson. And obviously, that's the one that everyone wants it to be in this. And I agree with you, Ryan. Probably, probably very much not him. So then the names that come to mind is a Carson Wentz, potentially, especially his name's been floating out there like crazy. But also, And there there were reports last week that said a team was close to to trading for Carson Wentz. Right, exactly. And some people even thought a deal with the Bears was done. Obviously, that wasn't right. Uh, But the Bears still seem to be the front runner. But the other name that jumps out to me, guys, is Sam Darnold and Mm. potentially Mm. bringing him to Denver. That's really interesting. Um, That actually wasn't uh, one of the first names that came to my mind, but it certainly makes sense. I mean, uh, it all comes down to where the Jets are and their evaluations of the quarterbacks. At, at a certain point, they're either going to come to a point where they say, "We want one of the, we want a quarterback at number two, or we want to keep Sam Darnold." As soon as they get to that decision, if the if the decision is we want a quarterback at number two, then the Sam Darnold trade floodgates uh, are wide open at that point. So I can certainly see that as a possibility. Um, the name that I was thinking is a lot less sexy. Um, uh, a lot less exciting and, and honestly, barely even a starter or a starter at all. If you consider him that you're the really building came, this up, the name that came to mind for me was Nick Foles. 
Um, that that is a guy that George Payton likes. Um, it's a guy who would be kind of that veteran hedge that we talked about. Uh, and it, especially if the Bears are trying to make moves at quarterback, well, it would make sense for them to be trying to you know trade a Nick Foles to maybe get some extra capital that they can use in a trade for Carson Wentz. So that was the first name that came to my mind. I had two different names in mind, guys, and uh, they're probably somewhere uh, in 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 the, in between. Better than Nick Foles, but not world beaters. One was Teddy Bridgewater. Carolina looks poised to move on from him. That's another guy like Nick Foles that George Payton knows very well. And the thing with Bridgewater, if the Panthers have decided he's not their guy, it would behoove them to make a deal now knowing that they would get that cap room back in time for the start of free agency. And the other, and this is sort of off the radar, and I think it's unlikely for the Broncos, at least in a trade, is Marcus Mariota of the Raiders. Because the thing is, you can't see the Raiders and Broncos making a deal that involves an active player. But at the same time, there have been some rumors swirling about Mariota's name, connecting him perhaps to the Patriots as somebody that New England might target in a trade. So if Mariota is somebody you're thinking about, the time to strike may be now, and the fact that there are going to be potential trade options for the Raiders rather than just outright cutting him to get that $10 million off of their books and they're over every projected cap right now, so they have to make a move or two here at least. It may it, it it may be a preemptive strike there. The problem is with the Raiders trade Mariota in the division. That's why I have my doubts about that. But those are two names that popped in my mind, guys. Yeah, Man, and so, so the question is, guys, what's the best? What's the best option? Are any of these good options? And then I go back to the first name that I mentioned, and that was Deshaun Watson. What does this do to the Broncos in terms of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes? If they're trading for Nick Foles, if they're trading for Sam Darnold, if they're if they're trading for Marcus Mariota, what what does this do? Is this it? Is this the upgrade that they make? And they're not looking to the draft. They're not looking to a bigger trade. That would be foolish um, if that was the case. Now, if it's Wentz, then I think you're probably set because of the money uh, that it would command. And I don't know of a single Broncos fan or a media person who is a fan of that idea. Um, I actually think Carson Wentz is very high on what I'm calling the Tannehill scale, meaning can turn can turn back into a very very good quarterback. Uh, but even then, the money is just what scares everyone away. And I'm sure there would have to be some crazy cap Olympics going on, gymnastics, I should say, um, that would kind of make it more palatable. I, I'm assuming that. But again, no one wants that. Um, it doesn't excite anyone. And so that's the only one. And then Sam Darnold. Those are the two that I think if you make that move, then you're removing yourself from the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Although, again, if for some reason it, it, it comes up that you have a chance to get him, and even if you have Drew Locke and Sam Darnold in your building, like that should just help you in your pursuit of, uh, uh, of Deshaun Watson, hopefully. So nothing completely knocks you out unless you're an idiot. Um, but 
it does show you that the Broncos are making other plans. Yeah, and, and they should make other plans. I mean, you have to have you have to have contingencies down pat. I'm sure George Payton right now, he's very prepared. He's sitting there with a plan A, pardon me, a plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E. But none of these things, except when, so like you said, none of these things take you out of potentially getting to Sean Watson. Like let's say, for example, the Broncos were to get Sam Darnold. Now it might hurt them because the price of Sam Darnold could involve swapping the ninth and 23rd picks. So moving down effectively kind of the cost of a very late first round pick to move to, to, to get Sam Darnold. But there's no reason why Sam Darnold couldn't be included in a trade for Deshaun Watson if that possibility was there. So really very, I would say almost none of the possibilities about which we're going to speculate here would take you out of the Watson sweepstakes long-term. You can change and, your plans and go get him. And I do think that those two names, Sam Darnold and Carson Wentz, do take you out of the sweepstakes for Sam Dar- or for, for Deshaun Watson because of what you're going to have to give up. If it really is a first-round pick for Sam Darnold and for Carson Wentz, like some people have reported, then I just think that that'll take you out of that. And that's why it's a very interesting point right now. We're sitting here February 17th, a month away from the official start of free agency, and George Payton may have to decide, okay, are we going all in uh, on, on uh, Deshaun Watson or are we waiting and seeing if we can get to Sean Watson uh, or do we have to make other plans right now? I, I just love how all roads lead to Deshaun Watson. Um, <laughs> I hope the Broncos uh, also view, view things the way that we do on this show where all roads lead to Deshaun Watson. But um, I, I, I was thinking about this in terms of, let's say the Texans are stubborn idiots and they want to hold on to Deshaun Watson as long as they possibly can just out of spite. Um, I actually think the Broncos are in as good of a position as anyone to be patient here. Now, it would require them making a small bet on Drew Locke, meaning just take your chances with Drew to start this season rather than trying to make a minor upgrade or rolling the dice on a Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold. Now, if I'm being honest, it doesn't sound like that's something they want to do. But... If if they think they have a shot at Deshaun, they have the luxury, in my opinion, of being patient and saying, okay, well, this allows us to kind of run it back with Drew, give him however much time we want to give him to prove. And, and yeah, maybe you do bring in – you could still bring in a Nick Foles um, for a, you know, a day three pick or whatever it may cost. Um, but you say, okay, we're going to roll with Drew, give him another chance. And then we'll keep a close eye on the Deshaun Watson scenario. To me, that's almost a better scenario than bringing in a Carson Wentz. Or, you know, Sam Darnold is debatable. It's, those are closer. But to me, it's like, okay, well, find out what you have in Drew. And if you don't like it, then you can get more aggressive for Deshaun as the season goes on. And let's say you don't get Deshaun, because as we know, that's still not a likelihood. Uh, then worst case scenario as we've talked about before is you you have another bad season and you are in a better position to make a move uh for a quarterback next year and in a weird way because you have been discussing this Deshaun Watson trade where you give up so so much 
giving up a bunch to move up in the draft next season isn't going to feel like nearly as much anymore. Well, there's another thing also in play because let's say it, you're thinking about next year, and if Drew Locke isn't the guy, maybe your plan A is uh, is to pick a guy in next year's draft. Well, then a way to help do that is to move down in this year's draft and try to accumulate capital for next year. But let's say that you're able to move down and pick up a first-round pick for 2022. Well, if Deshaun Watson, his situation lingers into the season, all of a sudden you might have two first-round picks to trade from next year plus a first-round pick in 2023. You have the capital that all of a sudden makes it a little more palatable. You're not you're not blowing up three years of first rounds and two or three years of second rounds. Maybe you can kind of confine the damage a little bit, but that requires getting more capital for 2022, which would almost certainly mean going from pick nine to pick 25 or 26 or somewhere in that range. The question is, can the Broncos do that? Something something that also really helps the Broncos with this, guys, is if they really like a quarterback in the draft because then they don't have to do anything in free agency. They don't have to make a trade right now. Maybe this is tipping their hand saying we don't love any quarterback in the draft right now if they're trying to pick up an, uh, a significant upgrade right now. But then it, it doesn't make you make a decision in one month when free agency starts. You get another month and a half to decide. And because it just really seems like like want be I without much competition at all. They want to bring someone substantial in. That that's what, every single time a name's brought up, it seems like the Broncos, there's some rumor coming out about how they talked about adding him. And the commenter here says, what if Locke kicks ass in the scenario where you play him this year? That's the best case scenario. Or, you know, depending on how good that really means. Um what again, you know, in the in the world where all roads lead to Deshaun Watson, well now Drew Locke is a is a more tradable asset in that deal, or he's good enough that you say, oh, we're good. Uh, and again, you know, if, if Drew takes a massive leap this year, that uh, that remains the best case scenario for the Broncos. You know, someone uh, someone said last week, like, what if he's a front runner for MVP in week eight? Do you still trade him for Deshaun Watson? It's like, no. Now you have a, a very cheap MVP front runner, uh, and you don't have to give up anything to get him. Of course, that that remains the best case scenario for the Broncos as it has been for the last couple of years. Um, so that's like that's another reason why you like that scenario, or, or or you're at least comfortable in that scenario. Now, if we're just being honest, as much as I or you may believe in Drew to do that, it just doesn't feel like the Broncos do. It doesn't feel like George Payton does. It, it feels like. You know, I remember Mace talking last year about how the Broncos were going to take a step back and watch the film and how once you remove the recency bias of the end of the season, they might have a different look at Garrett Bowles. Well, as we know, they ended up after that time declining his fifth year option, which unfortunately turned out to be a, a, a bad move for the Broncos. Um, but this could be a scenario like that where removed from the uptick of Drew at the end of last season, George Payton watched the film in its entirety and just said, I don't like him. Uh, you know, I, I, I want better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's certainly what it feels like right now for the Broncos. But again, uh, I, I believe in Drew. I think that, it, you know, if he was given the opportunity this year, I think he's going to do a, a lot better than he did last year, especially with the continuity at offensive coordinator. 
um, any last points you guys want to make on this before I move on to another quick subject? Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, a report comes out from Dan Graziano this morning that the Broncos are quote-unquote likely to decline Von Miller's team option, which would make him a unrestricted free agent. Um, your instant reactions to that report? Not a surprise uh, and probably unfortunate for a lot of Broncos fans. But to me, that says that, you know, guys, this has been building up like this since really Vaughn did the interview with Brandon Stokely and Zach by when we when we saw the instant reaction to Vaughn Miller potentially taking a pay cut as hanging up the phone uh, and and not being willing to talk about it. Now, obviously, different circumstances when you're asked uh, on a radio show about it, as opposed to being asked by your organization to take a pay cut. But just how how put off he was by that made me think I don't think that Vaughn's going to take the pay cut that the Broncos want him to take of course a 22 million dollar cap hit 18 million dollars in cash this year Broncos may have said you willing to cut that in half to to nine to 11 million dollars and he probably are you kidding me you know he may have gone down to 16 million from 18 million or something like that and that's not the type of pay cut that the Broncos were looking for so uh unfortunately this this doesn't surprise me at all and uh, if if I were to have guessed I would have also said yes that the Broncos are likely to turn down this option yeah uh it's a uh... This is a tough one to pallet uh, for a lot of Broncos fans. And I just, you know, I remember when, when the Rockies traded Nolan Arenado thinking, man, I didn't realize it when I was seeing Nolan Arenado's last swings in a Rockies uniform. And that kind of hurts in a weird way. And this would deliver that same shot of pain of like, man, uh, like we just, we, we didn't know it when we were watching Von Miller, Super Bowl 50 MVP, all-time great Bronco. We didn't know it when we were watching his last snaps as a Bronco. Um, I actually get the feel. I still believe that he's going to end up taking a pay cut and remaining a Bronco. Um, but the I just I do agree with the fact that the Broncos aren't going to pay him what he's owed this season. So it is going to come down to a – Will you will you play for less, or are you uh, or are you going to go somewhere else? Well, the other thing that also looms over this is what does the salary cap look like, and that's why maybe it's trending in one direction, but I don't think a decision uh, has been made because what if that salary cap ends up being one hundred ninety eight million dollars rather than one hundred eighty, and that is something that's possible if the league can bring home these TV and streaming contracts for future years, if they can bring them home here in the next few weeks. So I don't think it's trending in the right direction, but I don't think this is over quite yet because if the cap is 18 to $20 million more than you expect, all of a sudden that can change the terms of a restructure where maybe the Broncos go from, uh, taking him down to say $9 million this year to something like 13 or 14 million, and then can kick in more on the back end, knowing what the income is going to be on the other side of this. I don't think this is over yet, guys. And this really, really seems like a negotiating tactic, whether it's coming from Vaughn, whether it's coming from the Broncos, probably coming from the Broncos in this sense, coming out from Dan Graziano, that the Broncos are likely to turn it down. They're not saying that anything is official yet. They're not saying the Broncos are turning it down, guys. And the Broncos have 
just under a month. They have until March 16th to either pick up this option or decline this option. There's no reason why the Broncos would would decide on that right now, in my opinion, unless you absolutely want Von Miller back on that $22 million cap hit, $18 million cash, then sure, you pick it up right now. But j- just like you guys have said, we don't think that's going to happen. So this is a perfect time for the Broncos to put it out there. Hey, if you, you didn't like us coming to you about the initial pay cut, well, we're not afraid to turn this option down and let you hit the free agent market if you're not going to take that pay cut. So th- this could be a negotiating tactic, and the timing makes perfect sense. There's still so much time for these two sides to talk. Yeah, it's and it's just been a weird time uh, with Von Miller. Obviously, there's the legal trouble. There was the you know Instagram controversy or whatever you want to call it um and again it 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 plays a part that george payton is just not emotionally attached to von miller you know for for john elway that's his best draft pick ever and obviously he still has uh, a say in what's going on here but george payton could be looking at the film from two years ago and saying okay so we know what he looked like then and on top of that he was out all last season. So he's two years older than he was all the way back then. I just, I don't think he's worth this money. Uh, And that wouldn't be, I don't think that's surprising at all. If that's his opinion. No, I I wouldn't be, especially guys, a guy that's in his thirties right now, just missed an entire season. Like you said, Ryan, you have to go back two years to look at the tape. We know that uh, some metrics, he was really good, but less than 10 sacks in the last full season that he played. Um, certainly I, I don't think anyone can say that Von Miller is trending up right now. Uh, it, you know, trending, trending down. Now the question for George Payton is, can he turn that around? Can he swing that to go back up or can you find the right price for a Von Miller that's trending down? Can you guys agree on $10 million a year? And the other thing, yeah. Or are you used to, or since all roads lead back to Deshaun Watson, are you just trying to free up cap space to try to make a run at Deshaun or another quarterback? Is it, is this making room for Dak Prescott if the if the Cowboys don't tag him? Right. The, uh, a lot of different ways you could look at it. And one other thing that George Payton just doesn't have an attachment to that I would assume John Elway does is the idea of, of Von Miller and Bradley Chubb playing together. Because when the Broncos drafted Bradley Chubb, it was like, oh my God, what are these two going to do when they're alongside each other? Well, we saw them alongside each other for the first four games of their first season, and they combined for zero sacks in those games. Um, and ever since then, what? They've played together in just a couple. Uh, one more, maybe? Uh, so mm-hmm. it's it's just um, – that's something that John Elway could be saying. We have to see, we have to see that finally pay off. And George Payton just being like, it's, it's not yeah. going to be what you thought it was going to be. They had four games at the start of 2019 and yeah. uh, before Chubb got hurt and it was, and they were, and although the defense was figuring out what Vic wanted to do from a pass rushing perspective, it was four unproductive games by and large. Right. 
Very much so. Very much so. And also no turnovers. And we know how important Mm -hmm. that is for for every defense, but especially a Vic Fangio defense. And guys, this just would would make it so obvious that the Broncos would be picking up that fifth year option on Bradley Chubb. Broncos have a lot of decisions to make in, in the coming months. And wouldn't it be something if Von Miller went to the Cowboys in free agency and Dak Prescott went to the Broncos in free agency? Could that have been uh, the uh, part of the trade? Like, could the Broncos be trying to trade for Dak Prescott, have him in the building, sign him up long term? Long term, or is he? He's not even tradable right now, is he? No, he's no, not because he's a tag. free agent. If yeah. he's tagged, then there could be a tag and trade. And I know that. Uh, there's a little more speculation out there that uh, this could be a year where we see more tag and trades than any year that we've gone through this process, in part because of the finan- the financial crunch that some teams are feeling uh, in the wake of losing all the revenues last year. And that would be fine for the Broncos. Like they could, they could be telling Dak, "Hey, we're going to sign you up long term. Right? Uh, you tag him, trade him, and then you have until whatever it is, July." Uh, to get him into a long-term deal. All right, let's uh, look, as we do most days, at the Deshaun Watson odds on DraftKings Sportsbook. And there's been movement again. Uh, unfortunately, this one, not as exciting for the Broncos. Uh, the Houston oh. Texans remain the favorite at plus 200. They actually dropped down to plus 250 yesterday. Um and it was it was as good as it had been for the Broncos. They were at plus two fifty. The 49ers were at plus four fifty, and the Broncos and Panthers were both at plus five hundred. I don't know what happened because I haven't heard any reports. But now the Texans are back to plus two hundred. The Panthers have jumped way up into second place at plus three hundred. The 49ers have dropped all the way down to plus five hundred, and the Broncos have dropped back to plus six hundred. They haven't moved their position at all in these rankings. But uh, falling from five to one to six to one to get Deshaun. Guys, what am I missing about Deshaun and the Texans? I, I don't understand why there's so much hope. I wouldn't put a dollar on the plus 200. Maybe very, very earlier in the process, I would have thought, okay, they're going to get it worked out. But now I, I'm shocked that they're still the favorites. Yeah, actually, Hank was on bets um, when Deshaun was to stay in Houston, was at plus 750. And he was like, that's where the value is. Um, And even if he never plays a snap, if you had taken that bet at plus 750, you would have a nice uh, little buyout on your hands right now if you wanted it. So um, Mm -hmm. I guess your bet there is that they completely hold out. It gets to week 10 or whatever uh, when you have to report if you want to get an accrued season uh, and he shows up and plays. I would just think even if he shows up, he's going to say like my hamstring hurts or something and and not play. Um, So anyways, that's where the odds are there. If you know, you're getting a little more value today than yesterday. If you wanted to make that your DraftKings pick of the week, but let's do that now. Uh, Zach, I'll start with you. Are you going to Sean to the Broncos for your DraftKings pick of the week? Oh man, I probably should. Uh, But no guys, I'm going to go with something that just keeps happening again. Tom Brady being disrespected. The Bucks guys to win their division, they're only minus 143 on DraftKings Sportsbook. How? I mean, I mean, now I would get it if Drew Brees was coming back and Drew Brees was looking like the the old Drew Brees, but he's not. And then you have Matty Ice out there who who knows if they draft Justin Fields. They're they're not going to be competing. So 
who does that leave to compete for the division? It, it leaves the the Carolina Panthers. I mean, maybe Deshaun Watson. May, maybe Deshaun. <laughs> still, come on, guys. This is so easy. Give me the Tampa Bay Bucks to win the division at minus one forty three. I I guarantee you, I was not going on DraftKings Sportsbook to look for my pick of the week and, and pick this one just based on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. But this one was just crying to be picked. Well, you know what? There's actual football games to bet on this weekend because you have the spring season of F- of some FCS teams that didn't play in the fall that are sitting there and so you've got some you've got some games. Now you're looking for teams and programs with stability to make a bet on. James Madison is as good as you're going to find in FCS, but boy, even for them, a 41 and a half point line in their favor against Moorhead State. That's too much. So I'm going to go for a lesser power, but still a consistently uh, proficient program in FCS nonetheless. And that's Wofford, of course, the Wofford Terriers out of Spartanburg, South Carolina. They're 60 and a half point favorites at home against the Bears from Mercer. And I'm going to take Wofford, even though I'm giving Mercer 60 and a half. But so if you are a compulsive type who likes to bet on football games the next few weeks, there for you as FCS cranks it up. There you go. Uh, I, I love I love a nice deep uh, college sports pick. Um, I made some money on Presbyterian the other night. Their basketball oh, team. That Do you is know deep. what their nickname is. The Blue Hose, of course. Very good. That's from, from Clinton, South Carolina. Yes, Clinton located. Uh, when you get to the end of the world, turn left, and you'll find Clinton. There you go. I also won on Dixie State the other day. Oh Ooh. yeah, now, now what is that that mascot? Oh gosh. Um I don't they're remember. The, they're the they're the cups, the Dixie Cups. Ah, no, that'd no. be actually pretty good. <laughs> they just moved up to D one, didn't they? I mean, weren't they like a D two program for a while? Yeah. Uh, they, I believe the Trailblazers. It, you over oh, correct. You would think uh that, that would be in Dixieland, but it's not. It's <laughs> in Utah. Do you guys remember Joe Don Duncan? I the name sounds yes, familiar. Yes. Yeah, the name in Bron- in Broncos camp as a tight end, a folk hero a few years ago. Joe Don Duncan is an alum of Dixie State. Love wow. it. That's pretty much all I know about Dixie State is Joe Don Duncan because that was a really fun story in 2015 training camp. Like he was this like physical freak. That they, that they brought in to see if they could develop into a tight end in the wake of Julius Thomas moving on in free agency. It didn't work out, but it was a fun story for a little while. Yeah, there were some other fun stories in 2015 that maybe clouded that one. Yeah, well, see everyone. Yeah, you forgot about that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm here to keep the I'm here to keep the flame of uh, of guys like uh, Xavier Oman and Joe Don Duncan and uh, Triandis <laughs> Luke alive. If you if if you didn't do it, no one would. So uh. exactly, there probably wouldn't be a need anyway. But it's you know, it's kind of fun to look back on these camp studs who didn't work out, but they they had their season in the sun. Alas, it was summer and not fall. Exactly. Uh, well, I'll go to. Uh, I'm not going to a deep in the cut college, but I will go to a player who once did play for a very obscure college. He started at Tyler Junior College, and then he moved <laughs> on to Marquette. It is Jimmy Butler. I have been making lots of money on Jimmy Butler lately. Um, He's just on a tear right now. And 
In nine out of the last 10 games, he's had over seven and a half rebounds. In five out of the last five, he's had over seven and a half rebounds. Uh, so I'm taking Jimmy Butler over seven and a half rebounds tonight against the Warriors. Um, he just, he's just, when he like puts his head down, um, he's just so dominant. Uh, so he's, uh, he's been all over the place, assists, rebounds. You can really make money on a bunch of different ways on Jimmy Butler right now, but I'll go with the rebounds tonight. I love that. I I love that bet. And and I don't think that that number will ever go up because he's not like a, a rebounding champ. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of those player props stay put. Now they move the juice yeah. on them. It's not great tonight. Uh, it's in the minus 160 range. But, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized it's all just about getting wins however you can. Not a, <laughs> not about any, It's not about anything else. You can't go broke if you're taking a profit, right? That's exactly right, Zach. <laughs> uh, except someone in our comments once tried to convince me that you can, which I still don't believe them. Defies all laws of economic theory, I mean. Yeah, they were like, oh, you're, you're forgetting about this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, no. We may, be, we may be having that comment show up tomorrow. Hey. If, if, I, if I profit on my sports bets, that means I won more than I bet. And my account just keeps growing. How could I possibly go broke? <laughs> well, and, and, I, I have yeah. no idea. And let's say, and, and we hear that with football, you don't go broke making a profit if you're a quarterback, so you take what's there. And let's say that it, that ended in every drive being a f- ending in a field goal attempt. You know what they'd call the team that did that? Champions. Champs. <laughs> Champs. <laughs> because exactly. they'd score on every possession. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's going to wrap it up for us on the live side of things. Thank you to everyone who is tuning in via YouTube, uh, hitting us with that like, subscribe, uh, and maybe even sign up for alerts as well. Thank you to everyone who's listening on the pod side. For those of you who aren't listening on the pod side, you can catch the second half of this podcast anywhere you download podcasts. We'll talk to you later. All right, we're rolling along on the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. And, of course, we got to give a shout-out to Breckenridge Brewery, who now has entered the Seltzer game. Guys, I finally got my hands on one the other day, and I have to say, best Seltzers I've ever had in my life. Now, I've only had one so far, so I still have to expand my horizons, but I had the Honeydew, um, which came at a high recommendation. And, my goodness, well, you know, what I, what I love in a Seltzer is a very – subtle flavor i don't want it to overpower me with some like artificial flavoring uh and this is just just a nice little hint of honeydew on there uh but a very smooth seltzer you take a sip and instantly you're like transported to a rooftop it's 85 degrees out not a breeze and you're just chilling sipping that keeping you cool having some good conversation with some good company and that's why they call it good company hard seltzer so uh make sure you get some wherever you can check them out uh i think they just i think they just uh changed the game changed the seltzer game and they did it at the perfect time to allow you about a month to get your starting five together for march madness because you want to know going into march madness are you going to have two honeydews are you going to have them all be honeydews are you going to go one of each flavor and guys we've got march madness coming up and there's no better place to get in on the action than DraftKings sportsbook and DraftKings sportsbook is also letting you dip your toes in the water to get ready for march madness as well they're giving all new users the chance to cash one 
$100 on basketball games this week. What new users can do is they can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes a three-pointer, just one, you'll cash $100. That's all it takes. One three-pointer by your chosen team, and you'll turn $1 into $100. And if you don't want to do basketball just yet well DraftKings has awesome daily odds on hockey soccer so much more including even future football odds like i did for my pick of the week so head to the app store now download the top rated DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code dnvr to get your shot to turn one dollar into one hundred dollars when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week that's promo code dnvr for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot this week only only DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in $425 free bets. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's jump into the questions from the listeners. First one here from maybe the Dingo H-A Baby. says, first, what's up, guys? What new rules are the owners eyeballing for the new league year? I've read a few stories about allowing every play to be reviewed. Is that feasible when trying to keep the game structured in a decent time frame? Yeah, I don't think that's that's feasible. It's always going to be kicked around, and probably the Patriots are always going to propose that. It's one of the annual traditions. A uh, couple of things to look for, though. Um, number one, remember the, uh, the onside kick alternative proposal that we saw in the AAF? Uh, the Broncos actually had a fourth and 15 proposal two years ago. I think that's going to potentially gain some traction, maybe to the point where it's it gets a trial year or a trial run in the preseason if there is a preseason but there's a little more a uh, little more momentum in that direction for the onside kick alternative to happen and then another thing that that uh, that that may that may be in play this year is and they may try this in the preseason as well they feel like they've gotten they've made progress in terms of making kickoffs safer in terms of cutting down the hits. And so if they've made kickoffs safer, as it appears they have, they'd like to see more kickoffs returned. So is this the point where they talk about moving the kickoff spot back to the 30? That's something that has also been, uh, been quietly discussed over the last few months. So you're telling me they think that the rules have made kickoffs safer? Not uh, the they fact th- that no kickoffs are being returned anymore. <laughs> they, they think that when kickoffs are returned, that the rules have made them safer place than they were before. Huh. That by okay. get it, getting rid of the wedge and making, and, and making sure you don't stack guys on one side, things like that. Yeah. I think, I think they've got that all wrong. Um, I think the reason why there's less injuries, even on the one, it's just, there's less opportunities for injuries because there's less kickoffs being returned. I'll tell you the but same have, play on a kickoff is just to not take yeah. it out. Take the ball at the 25 yard line. Yeah. But the, but when you're looking at the injuries, you're not analyzing based on all kickoffs. You're analyzing it based on kickoffs that are returned. Right. So but I just mean that's where they've made some progress since there are less kickoffs being returned in general, there are just less opportunities for the kickoffs that are returned to turn into injuries. Right. You're only getting like maybe one a game. Yeah. And in Denver, pretty much none 
Yeah, zero. <laughs> I, I, maybe I'm biased just because we're in Denver and we just never see him anymore. I just think the whole thing's a waste of everyone's time. Um, just, just move it to well, the twenty-five. Well, that well, the twenty-five or the twenty for all I care. Yeah, I, and I would say either move the kickoff line to the thirty and ha- and bring the kickoff back, or just do what the XFL did and say okay, unless you and unless there's an onside kick uh, opportunity here. You take over the 25 and just be done with it and, and cut it out. So do do one or the other. Right now, they're kind of trying to straddle the middle ground. I say go in one direction or go the other. Yeah, me too. And um, the other thing I'll say is, like, the one thing that you lose there is the surprise onside kick. What do we see? One surprise onside kick per season in the NFL, maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah. right, exactly. And if if uh, if Sean Payton doesn't have Drew Brees uh, moving forward, then we may not see any. Yeah, exactly. All right, next one's from the count. All right, and this is about the stash, and he and he asks if Drew Locke had the stats that the mustache, as in Gardner Minshew the second, did. The fans would be crazed. Why are folks so cool? On Minshew, love the count. It's a great, great question. Maybe because he played with Jacksonville. Uh, probably because he had a one in seven record last year, which doesn't help. But I'm right there with you. Count 37 touchdowns, 11 interceptions last year. Even on a one in seven team, when he started, 16 touchdowns, five interceptions since he's entered the league. One of the one of the lowest incompletion percentages in the NFL. Uh, this guy, he may not be, you know, a top five quarterback, but in my opinion, he's certainly starter caliber yeah uh i agree with the counts point i agree with your point and it's 100 percent to do with the fact that he plays in jacksonville um the i mean it's just a place where players go to die um and unfortunately his career started there so it was supposed to be where he went to live but uh you know he never he never left the womb because he started in jacksonville oh geez good luck t-law yeah. <laughs> sorry to lavisca chanel and trevor law uh, and trevor lawrence but that's that's how i feel uh and i think if he if he goes to a legit team i think he's going to be a legit quarterback well, here's what's interesting. I mean, you hear uh, a lot of the talk with Drew Locke about, okay, he he had this factor going against him, losing Jawan James, losing Cortland Sutton, uh, instability on the on the offensive side when it came to coaching and, uh, and, and schematic philosophy. That's all there. I mean, but Gardner Minshew probably had a lot less to work with than Drew Locke and had better individual production, right? I mean, he's – but he's he's better across the board over the last two years than Drew Locke is. So who's to say that Minshew couldn't come in here and he already has a substantially lower giveaway giveaway rate. He has a fumble or INT once every 33 plays and Drew Locke it's once every 23.6. So who's to say that Minshew couldn't come in here with the talent that the Broncos have and tear it up? Why can't Minshew be – why can't he profile as a better and a more fun and a more comfortable Kirk Cousins? I mean, th- th- that that's who he could be where – you never really talk about Kirk Cousins as being, you know, a top five quarterback, but – top 10 quarterback Kirk can be that but in Gardner I think can could even be better than that and also just a lot more fun and a lot yeah. less uncomfortable let me ask you guys this if it's a Minshew lock competition who do y'all think wins 
if it's a fair competition, I, I do think that Minshew will win. However, I think in that situation, I think Locke starts with the upper hand. But why? Why would he start with the upper hand? Yeah. Because he's the incumbent. And be, because I think they're giving up, what are they giving up a fourth round pick, fifth round pick for him? It's not like yeah, they're, they're bringing in the second or third pick for him. R- refresh my memory. It's hard for me to remember just because I didn't, I wasn't at every practice. So we kind of have to all combine our thoughts here. Did Drew turn the ball over a lot in training camp that you remember? Not a lot. I, I would say normal amount. I don't think he was perfect with it, but normal. Yeah, he had a couple of days where where, where they clustered, yeah. where he had multiple giveaways. It seemed it seemed like that was the thing for Locke. If he had one, it was a day where he'd have two or three, which also lends itself to the belief that they were trying to push the envelope a little bit more, either on offense or the defense. Was there were days when the defense cranked up the pressure, and that was a point of emphasis. And Locke had some mistakes that resulted from that. Yeah, I. You know, there's. I think they were back-to-back games a couple of years ago in, in Vic Fangio's first season where the Broncos lost to Mitch Trubisky and they lost to Gardner Minshew. And both were similar in the sense that it was a late-game comeback. Uh, the other team's quarterback made some big-time plays at the end of the game. Uh, and, you know, it reminds me of what Mace has said about uh, Vic Fangio and how he's won with Mitch Trubisky. I think if Gardner Minshew comes in and competes with Drew Locke, uh, and, and Vic Fangio is the one making the final decision here as the head coach of the football team. I think he wins the job because he doesn't turn the ball over. And, and yeah. I just know as a defensive coach, Vic just values that so much of if you don't mm-hmm. put my defense in bad spots, my defense is going to kill it. Yeah, right, absolutely. And you go through all these quarterbacks that we're talking about as hedge possibilities. If you look at them over the last four seasons, the only one who has a worse giveaway rate, a worse uh, interception and fumble rate is Jameis Winston, of course, because he had that famous 30-30 season down in Tampa Bay in 2019. Other than that, all of these other guys in the, in the last four years, Darnold, Foles, Fitzpatrick, Wentz, Trubisky, Dalton, Minshew, Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor, they all are much better in giveaway rates. And the guy who's actually the best of all in that is Tyrod Taylor, which is why I think even though there's not the familiarity with him, that he's somebody that could be on the Broncos' radar as well. I take it back, guys. I think that uh, that really anyone it, that, they, that they bring in – will have the favor of Vic Fangio. Uh, and also, this is going to be George Payton's guy. Drew Locke is not George Payton's guy, so you're not going to have John Elway up there, uh, you know, giving the advantage to the to the incumbent. So I take that back about the incumbent. I don't think that's going to have much on it, unless they bring someone in that's also very, very turnover turnover prone, and that could be a Jameis Winston type. Ooh. But, guys, I, I think Jameis Winston, they're bringing in, and it's not really a competition. I think it's very clear that it's Jameis's job. So I, over these past couple of days, and I just lost sight of it when talking about that, but over these past couple of days, I found it hard to see Drew Locke being the starter just because it, it almost feels like we're at the point of, you know, anything but Locke. And I don't yeah. like to say that, but that's just the feeling that I've been getting from the, from the Broncos. Yeah. I get uh, that same feeling as well. I feel like, I feel like they've crossed a Rubicon here that just enough has come out publicly regarding their interest in other quarterbacks to where it's, they just, 
they're looking for somebody else. They don't know who that somebody else is going to be yet, but they're looking for somebody else. Period. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you guys on that. I wouldn't say anyone. Uh, Like, I don't think if they bring in Nick Foles, he's going to end up being the starting quarterback week one. Um, But uh, I I agree with you guys that I think they have quietly made a decision on Drew Locke. It's that he's not their guy, Um, uh, which is a bit of a bummer, I think. But I think if they end up starting Drew Locke, it's out of – it's because their other plans didn't work out. And – that's not a good place for anyone to be, but Drew can of course still have an opportunity to prove them wrong. Um, could that have been the trade the Broncos were working on last week? Is that a, tr- is Minshew a guy you have to trade for, or does he, is he a free agent this year? Yep. Yeah. He's you a would, trade you guy. would have to trade for him. Two trade. years left on his contract and uh, he's playing on his rookie deal. So he's the cost control quarterback drink. And he's, He's highly cost control because he was a day three, day three pick. He's as cheap as they come, but oh, he hasn't. But he hasn't played like it. And, I am and the funny thing in Jacksonville, they can't. The thing I love about Jacksonville is clearly they weren't sold on him because they kept trying to push him out of the lineup, and he always got back in. <laughs> always. I. There's, there's something to be said for this kid's moxie. Yeah, there really is. I am so here for that quarterback competition. Oh man, wouldn't it be so so much swag? Like that would be a real competition. Now I can actually see those two getting along um and enjoying each other's company, but both are really gritty competitors. Uh and so I think there would be like it, it would be like a legit little bit of a rivalry between them. And it would be about as opposite as you could have. You you have Drew, who's clean shaven, has you know the the short haircut that's always pretty crisp. And Minshew, you know, he would come in with the mullet. He'd have the stash. He'd be walking in in cowboy boots with the spurs on. You'd have Drew and you know his his Lululemon sweats. It, it would be polar opposites. Oh, I you know what? I'm I'm about to start a series here on all these other quarterback possibilities. I think I'm looking forward to writing the Gardner Minshew piece the most. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's not going to excite too many people. Yeah. There's obviously the people who are just going to love him because he's like a modern day Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, <laughs> you know, just in terms of he, you know, he certainly turns heads with his looks oh. and he makes big plays and he's got swagger. Uh, but he's I don't a think lot any- be- but he, he's a lot better than Fitz was at this age though. It yeah. took Fitz a long time to become Fitz. So I just, I don't think people are going to be like instantly buying Gardner Minshew jerseys too many people, but it's really not the worst thing in my opinion. No, it's, it's certainly not because it, it'd be entertaining and he could turn into something that there's, there's a chance that he could be a long-term starter. Well, and the other thing with the Gardner Minshew jersey, isn't that pretty easy? People just get their Tim Tebow jerseys out of the back of the closet or their Brandon Marshall wide receiver jerseys and just plaster Minshew's name on it. <laughs> they could. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, Minshew, we, uh, you know, I defend Deshaun Watson's record in Houston this last year a lot. And I think Gardner deserves the same type of defense. Uh, it's a quarterback who played well despite just nothing around him. Uh, and uh, I think Deshaun's situation was worse and he played better, but it's still a quarterback who 
in my opinion, should not have the record held against him. Yeah, and and, and that mm-hmm. that's fair. Next one coming in from Orange and Blue Ozzy. So curious how you rank potential hedge quarterbacks that there is a realistic chance of landing in Denver. Here's my list. He has one Gardner Minshew, speak of the devil. Two yeah. Jameis Winston. Three Marcus Mariota. Four Mitchell Trubisky. Five Sam Darnold. Six Ryan Fitzpatrick. Seven Tyrod Taylor. And eight Andy Dalton. Have very little interest. Pat six Minshew is the best option. Low salary, young, and very similar talents to Drew, and they could have a competition. To to see who wins the job. All right, guys, how do you rank these eight guys? You know what's interesting? First of all, on Orange and Blue Aussie's ranking, he clearly is about the hedge with upside because yeah. all five of the guys that are atop his list are 20-somethings. The bottom three are the 30-somethings. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. that that's what I would have as well. Yeah. And I, I, would, I would probably have uh, – the same bottom three as, as him with Fitzpatrick leading the way of those guys. Yeah. I would rank Sam Darnold a lot higher than that. I would too. Um, I'd probably put Sam Darnold third. Um, and honestly, number two, number one for me would probably be Jameis Winston. Number two would be Gardner Minshew. And then kind of a big break for me. Then maybe Sam Darnold, Mitchell Trubisky and Marcus Mariota. Oh man. I think I would have, I think I would have Darnold one. Oh, wow. Ooh. You just Highest really believe upside. in that upside. Highest upside. Why, yep. why a higher upside than Winston? Because I think he has the yeah. highest upside. I agree with uh, you, Zach. I think I Winston's just, the upside guy. How do you how do you make a guy, you know, when your problem has been turnovers from the quarterback, how do you make a guy who threw 30 interceptions in a season? The, the because top? he got LASIK. He got LASIK. He can see now. <laughs> he also had the year of football rehab with Sean Payton. So I mean, I, the, the the hard work has been done already in fixing Jameis Winston. So the, the, the cake is baked. You just have to pull it out of the oven. I am high on Jameis Winston's future prospects as a saint. Um, <laughs> I think that if he stays in that system, I think that he'll have a really successful rest of his career. If he leaves and goes just about anywhere else, uh, I'm going to be worried about him again. So I have to ask, where would he be on your list then? Yeah, you have Darnold one. Is Minshew He's still coming two. in two? He's okay. still two. Okay. And then Minshew is three. Okay. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am. I, I would go Winston, Mariota, Minshew, Darnold, Trubisky. The, the strange thing is, I actually think Trubisky, if he came in here, would win the job. But I just think that, that it's a kind of a limited upside, limited Ugh. ceiling, even though he's in his 20s. Yeah. And then, and then if they go for the 30 something guy, uh, I think it's, it's that order Fitz, Taylor Dalton. And I, th- I think, I think with Fitz, he would, I-, I think Fitz and Taylor guys would actually get this team to nine and seven or 10 and six if they played a whole year, but they wouldn't be the long-term answer because fit, because Fitz would be that perfect leader that you need in the short term. And Tyrod Taylor would just play no mistake ball. I don't think either of those guys wins the starting job, in my opinion. Between who? That them and Drew. Wait, and who are those two? Fitzpatrick and Tyrod. Man, yeah. Well, it depends. It depends. Do they want to hope that Drew can turn into something and see it through, or do they want the more turnover-free guy? Now, Fitz may not be that turnover-free guy, but Tyrod certainly would be. I just think yeah. it's the, the Broncos thought process would be, this is the emergency cord. Uh, 
if we have to pull it. I, I actually think that if they had if that fits, if it were fits, he'd win the job in the summer if he did. Taylor, I think he comes in four to six weeks into the season if Drew Locke is still not launching, if Drew Locke is still turning the ball over a lot, then I think Vic would put him in to basically try to save the season and save his job. Yeah, man, if it's Vic's choice, I see it being the guy that's going to be safe with the ball. But I do see what you're saying, Ryan, is give this guy one more chance. I mean, what what is your plan if one of those guys is your starting quarterback from week one? Yeah, it's it's Vic Fangio trying to keep his job. It's Vic yeah. Fangio trying to go from five and eleven to to nine and seven and potentially make the playoffs and keep his job. Yeah, that's I don't like that. I, I don't uh, like it long term either. I don't. Sebastian Airbay, my boys, hope y'all are doing great. I have a couple of quick questions for you guys today. My first question is, how do we find the polls that you mentioned yesterday? Are you able to access them from the app? No, those are on Twitter. Uh, so at DNVR Broncos, at DNVR underscore Broncos, uh, you'll find us. And uh, each day we drop uh, a pod poll that you can vote on. Um, what was yesterday's, Zach? Uh, yesterday's was what it, it talked about Gardner Minshew a bit. We said, which young hedge quarterback with upside would be the best option for the Broncos. And we had Jameis Winston for 8 million in free agency, Mitchell Trubisky for 8 million in free agency, Marcus Mariota for a day two pick or Gardner Minshew for a day three pick guys. Can you guess the winner between those? Gotta be Jameis, right? Jameis. Gotta be, gotta be Jameis coming in with 36% a close, close competition for second. So who do you guys think was fourth and not even in the running? Mario Trubisky. Trubisky. Yeah. Oh, Trubisky only yeah. got 9%. Gardner Minshew narrowly beat out Marcus Mariota 29% to 26%. Wow. I, I, Mariota. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think he is a, I don't think he's a upside hedge at this point. And I get, I, mean, I like, get I, where I agree. I get where people are coming in and, and Mace is, is a Mariota guy. And I get that he was number two overall pick and has shown flashes. But when I think of him, I just, I don't think of the upside either. Yeah. I so I inaccurate. think of him coming. Yeah. He, he, I, I think of what he, what he showed in flashes last year when he, when he came in the flashes they shown before. I also think guys of somebody who, yeah, it was pre Patrick Mahomes but he went into Kansas city with the team down by three scores and led the, the Titans back to a postseason win at Arrowhead stadium. I mean, I, that that's the kind, that's what I think of with Mariota when he had a big moment in front of him, he rose to it, man. He, he was the, he was the last person to, uh, to give the chiefs fits at home. Right. I mean, I know Tom Brady beat him in the playoffs, but didn't they get a playoff win before Tom Brady beat him? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they did. Um, who did they beat? That at, not at home. Um, no, they they the that year actually in terms of a playoff win at Arrowhead, uh, that that was that game was still part of the streak, although they were a huge favorite in that game because they lost to Pittsburgh the year before at home, and then their playoff win in 2015 was on the road. It was at Houston, the Brian Hoyer game. Mm, of course oh, yeah. yeah yeah how many teams have got a, a playoff win off of some garbage houston quarterback <laughs> if it's well, gonna happen houston, in the... 
Yeah, Houston got a playoff win off of a garbage Raiders quarterback when uh, Brock Osweiler started, and the Raiders, you know, had lost uh, had lost Derek Carr, and they had to play. I mean, uh, what was that that was the Connor Cook game, right? Right, but then like they yeah. like T.J. Yates started playoff games for them. Yeah, weird. Didn't they? They won with T.J. Yates, I thought though. I think they did. You're right. Yeah, they beat Cincinnati, and of course, all, this is all. This is why for years we always knew when Houston made the playoffs, they were playing that early game on Saturday. Always, always the first one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on, a shout out to Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, they are true members of the DNVR family. Um, they did Allie's wisdom teeth surgery this last week, and they were so, so friendly, so kind. Uh, they called to check up on her afterwards, and and it, it really is a family atmosphere when you go down there. So if you need any work done, make sure you head down to Green Mountain Dental Group, best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. Guys, big news coming to Colorado. The Colorado XOs Rugby Town USA is excited to introduce you to the new rugby venture and team, the Colorado XOs. The XOs are athletes who have competed at the highest level of their respective sports and coming from backgrounds in football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, soccer, all types of backgrounds. These athletes possess the necessarily necessary skills to excel at the game of rugby. And it's so cool that they're putting this team together. And you can learn about all of these athletes and their stories at infinity park at glendale.com. And of course we've got our guy Colton Strickler breaking all of the XOs down and everything going on with American rugby at the DNVR.com anywhere you find podcasts at DNVR rugby. And of course on Twitter at DNVR rugby. So if you want to try out for the XOs, well, give them a look at infinityparkglendale.com. Or if you just want to learn about the XOs, make sure to go to thednvr.com. All right, next one here from LDJ. Hey, guys, so I heard Ryan O'Halloran basically deem that we would gut the roster of everyone except Justin Simmons and, may- and maybe Shelby. Vaughn included, which, by the way, sounds like we're going to cut him from multiple sources. But anyways, he said the defense uh, is – has to get their hands on more balls and they got to get corners more capable of doing so. My question is, is that indicative of the corners uh, or the lack of cover linebackers we have? That's a chink in the armor of this defense. In my opinion, the corners are supposed to sit in their zones, not get bit beat deep, make tackles underneath, but our linebackers can't cover in order for corners to jump routes and pick things off. Um, You think that's what's lacking from our takeaways or do you put it on the defense as a whole? Well, it, it's everything, right, guys? Uh, and it's the cornerback play last year was not good. Bryce Callahan was great when he was healthy. He wasn't fully healthy all season. A.J. Boye, I mean, maybe we got to see two games of what he was, but now he's not on the team. And Ojemudia w- was up and down. Um, and so, Bassey, you liked what you saw from him, but the corner play wasn't good. So we know that there's going to be a significant upgrade there. And then also, linebacker is one we've talked about. Now, the hope is if the Broncos don't go out and make a big move at linebacker, the hope is that Justin Stranod can develop into this coverage linebacker that you speak of, LDJ. But the thing is, with Stranod, if he's going to really flourish, he can't be just a sub package situational guy. He's going to have to become an every down guy. And that is something that may be a year off. I think you get him back on the field, get him out there in the sub packages. The cornerback thing is interesting as well, because you save 13 million for AJ Boyer. And we've all thought about, okay, how do you spend that? Do you put that toward Justin Simmons, Shelby Harris, name your guy. It's possible gentlemen 
that that $13 million you save on AJ Boye may just be turned around and dumped into two cornerbacks for this year, that it could be Xavier Rhodes on a $9 million deal and he becomes your CB one. And then the other 4 million or so is given to somebody on kind of a prove it type deal, a Kevin King, Shadobia Wuzier, who got bet, of course, the CU buff got benched late last year, struggled with a hamstring and both those guys can play in zone. That that's the sort of thing I could see. And then you figure, you know what Rhodes is, you know, he's going to be reliable. You hope that Callahan can give you anywhere from 10 to 13 games and stay healthy. And then yeah, and then you hope, and then you roll the dice that a change of scenery is going to help a Kevin King or a Kevin King or a Chidobia Wuzier. And then you have, you don't have a lot of, you don't have certainties, but at least then you're talking about kind of a cluster of, of five guys, of five guys, even before you get to the draft where you say, all right, we feel like we're going to be able to find three out of this five that can help us out. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think you're, you have a good point there. Um, I think LDJ has a decent point um, that just the Broncos, in my opinion, in the middle of the defense, uh, in the front seven, of course, and talking about those linebackers, those guys just aren't as aren't very good at occupying their zones and taking stuff away there. Um, so it makes things a little more difficult on the corners. Um, but I do think there was very inconsistent corner play this year. You know, go, last year, when Chris Harris Jr. was out there to cover up a lot of things, we kind of got the sense that Vic Fangio could make anything work at corner. I mean, they were throwing Devontae Harris in there, and he was, you know, swimming instead of sinking. There was all sorts of guys. Bosby was looking good. And then this year, you took out Chris, and I think it it it, it kind of helped it fall apart a little bit when it came to the idea that Vic Fangio can do can succeed with any corner. Yep, exactly. And that's why I think we're going to see a big commitment to corner this year. Next one coming in from Love Thunder Down Under. Hooray, Cobras. How's, the, how's your bum for grubs? <laughs> Who wants to organize a DNVR Down Under bar crawl? Whatever happened to Ryan and Zach doing a world tour? Surely we can get this thing in flight for 2022. Mace, the same throng of Broncos fans I saw surrounding you at the tailgate at Mile High will be awaiting you in Brisbane Airport. Note, they're very unlikely to be the same people. In fact, it'll mostly be different people who are most probably customs officers. <laughs> I say these things because because it seems like we have a disproportionate representative of Australians and Kiwis big vomit here in the comments, given your lack of presence here in our great sunburned land in our honor, please say, and yes, it's G rated you beeping legends. All right, boys, I'll see you down at the billabong where I'm sure you will be busy as a one armed bricklayer in Baghdad with a couple of China plates, having a chin wag about some bird named Cheryl from Gundawindi. Yee, all right to the hoorah coba, no worries. <laughs> what? What did the reader just say? Best guess, hint. You can translate almost all of that into a pretty normal, inoffensive sentence. Anyway, football now. Wow, do you guys have anything to make of that? Something well, about chasing Gunda a girl. Windy. Yeah, and, and Gunda Windy. Uh, Australia has some truly amazing city and town names. Like Gunda Windy, like Wagga Wagga. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're at the bar, yeah. busy uh, chasing a couple girls. 
<laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that was something. He says, anyways, on to football now. I'm determined to do this assessment on active player cap value, i.e. the value of the team on the field performance, where I can get a historical game day player information and the where can I get a historical game day player information and the corresponding cap information, i.e. Broncos had $2 million in active players against $196 million adjusted cap after injuries to A, Ard Ardvark, though Z Zebra or through C Zebra. Wow. <laughs> Where I'm at it, any other request or while I'm at it, any other requests for the data viewing on something? Where are some data insights you've always wanted to see but have never gone and built? Hooroo. Uh, wow. Uh, that was uh, <laughs> an adventure. An Australian one. We went down under for that. Yeah. Um, you know, well, one thing that I've steadily built over time, at least now it, it's relatively easy for me to, to do it is, um, error adjusted passer rating. And I use some of that in my piece on, uh, on Drew Locke when the passer rating calculation was first released in 1970, the average passer, it was designed for the average passer rating to be 66.7. Mm. So you kind of, I, I, I work from there and actually, uh, and from time to time I'll use it. So that's something I've been able to figure out now, what he's talking about with the uh, game day player information, the cap information. Well, before the charger game in week 16, I went, basically, I just went down through the roster of guys that were playing and guys that were out. And that for both teams, and then I went to overthecap.com and I just add and took their salaries and I just added up to figure out that both teams were basically down about 60 to 70 million dollars worth of players each in that game. So it's it's not something it's something that you have to you can find, but you gotta kind of dig a little and then you gotta add up and do a lot of the work yourself. Fair enough. Uh, next one from Bronco Oilers. Good morning to you, gents. I've loved seeing the response to the cold temperatures of the past week from Denverites. Living in Edmonton, I always get a kick out of people experiencing a bit of what we go through each and every winter, where it's not uncommon to have temperatures of negative 20 all the way down to negative 40 Fahrenheit and Celsius. The sunshine and beautiful summers here make it worth it, but the winters here are a quote-unquote character-building experience. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just I don't understand why anyone would live there. <laughs> it's a great question. <laughs> Like I, so I had been to Chicago multiple times in the summer and I was like, wow, this place is amazing. I really like it here. And then I went in the winter and I was like, under no circumstances would I ever live here. <laughs> you know, in Minnesota, they have lake life in the summer, which is, you know, about probably six weeks long and people there just absolutely love the lake life. And I'm like, what about the other 46 <laughs> weeks that you have to live there with 30 of them probably being miserable? Yeah, I, I don't know how people do it, but more power to you if you can handle the cold temps. <laughs> I actually didn't think the weather was that bad this week. Uh, it, it wasn't windy. So like if you get if you get zero degrees and it's not windy, as long as you bundle up, you're fine. It's as soon as that wind comes in, which is what you get in places like Chicago, that just make it unbearable. There's no clothes you can wear that can save you. <laughs> yep, you're, you're exactly right. You know yeah. why uh, Chicago is called the Windy City? Uh, for some weird reason, but it doesn't actually have to do with the wind. <laughs> yeah, which is so weird because it is a Windy City because of their politics back in the day. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's, that's a weird one because it, 
the wind there is the worst part about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it, it, I mean, and also wind means it can be cold. And also uh, you think about politics and I think of a lot of hot air. So why isn't the, it the hot air city? It could be that too, but it, the wind just comes off that frozen lake and just whips yeah. between the buildings. And it is just a, a terrible <laughs> <Yeah>. experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, anyways, he goes on back to football yesterday, Ben Albright and Ryan Edwards addressed the rumors from the senior bowl that the playbook was dumbed down for drew Locke. Apparently the playbook was paired back, not just for Locke, who is a slower learner, but uh, another player as well, who's struggling to grasp the complex verbiage in a, uh, in this offense. Why is it that the Broncos insist on running these complex variants of the West Coast offense, particularly with such a young offense? Is this not an issue we've had in Denver for years contribu- uh, and a contributing factor to Scangarello's firing? I'm starting to see a scenario where the firing of Skangs and hiring of Shermer may be the move that ultimately costs Vic Fangio his job if the offense doesn't show significant improvement next season. If things don't work out with the staff, hopefully Peyton has his eye on a guy that can bridge X's and O's gap better from college to pro for our young guys. Or you you just see the Broncos bring in a vet who doesn't have to have this this slow um, this slower ramp up and and that's why you know uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick maybe right up Vic Fangio's alley is, is he's a guy that they don't have to change the offense to he they know he's going to be able to pick it up or I mean there, there's a lot of guys like that not just Fitzpatrick. This is yeah. something that's been bothering me for years. Um, this idea that like these young guys have to come in and learn these complex offenses instead of just the offense, the offensive coordinators making it more simple. Um, now Tyler Columbus, I talked to him about this and he gave me a good point back when I was going on a long rant. I think I even wrote a story about how dumb this is. Uh, and he made a good point. Um, because I was talking about, it was way back with Paxton Lynch. And I was saying like, how dumb is it that like one of the reasons Paxton Lynch can't get out there is because he's having trouble with the, the play calls. Um, and what Tyler Columbus said is you either have a scenario where the quarterback has to know everything and they tell each player what to do while they're in the huddle, or you have to rely on each player to know what they have to do based on the play. Right. And when he made that point, it made a little bit of sense to me, right. Is okay. The quarterback, most important position, you put more responsibility on him. And then you don't have to worry about, for example, Jerry Judy, uh, you know, seeing the card on the sideline or whatever the signal is and being like, oh, God, what is that? What is that? What is that? Instead, Drew Locke just tells him in the huddle, X slant or whatever. You know, it's just part of the long play call. Mm-hmm. That, make, that made a little bit of sense to me. I still think there's a, there's a way to make it easier for everyone. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, and and there are schemes that do that. Like a you know, a, a West Coast type of call will be will be fullback west right slot three seven two Y stick. And so in that everybody's got some level of instruction, but the quarterback kind of there's an onus on him to have to figure that out. If you go with the offense that the Broncos ran. Uh, when Josh McDaniels was here, it's the it, that New England runs and a lot of teams run around the league, which goes back to the late Ron Earhart, and Ray Perkins in New England in the 1970s. A lot of those words are a lot of those play calls are three words. Yeah. And it's designed for kind of that simplicity. One all one advantage of that also is that if you have a shorter play call like that, you can go up tempo a lot more quickly. It's a lot easier to do that. As, right, you as, get, yeah, and you get up to the line and you have more time for right. Sean McVay to be in your ear or whatever mm-hmm. telling you what to do. 
has Cliff Kingsbury done something like this yet? I just feel like if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him coming from the college level, especially wanting to go uh, the the fast tempo. Yeah, I think there actually was a story about the way they were doing things. I just forget what it was. Okay, we haven't seen the uh, the cards on the sidelines yet, though. No, and no. again, I just why not? If it works for college, why can't it work in the pros? It'd be something different. At least it would catch people off guard for a couple of years. Well, that inevitably a lot of what we see in college comes to the NFL at some yep. point yep. with the exactly. exception of like the wishbone offense. So there I'll predict it in the next five years, there will be a team that does the poster board pop culture and makes play call. Got to say, I'm disappointed. It's not your guy, Cliff, Ryan. It could be at any moment. <laughs> maybe maybe next one coming in from the other ride my boys if the broncos allocate significant sums to re-signing justin simmons and shelby harris that would foreseeably leave significantly less to sign a veteran cornerback what do you think it would cost the broncos to sign mckenzie alexander obviously george payton is very familiar with alexander seeing that he was a minnesota Vikings second round draft pick in 2016 he signed a one-year four million dollar deal with cincinnati in 2020 do you think a two-year deal worth around 10 million total with five million guarantees is feasible Peyton has some difficult decisions ahead in the coming weeks. In light of that, I leave you with a quote by George S. Peyton, the well-known U.S. Army General, or Patton, sorry, who said, boy, that's going to mess with me, who said, a good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan executed next week. Have a wonderful Wednesday, DNV Army salute. I believe that means call up Houston say what do you want and trade for him right now that's there a, you go my mind there um yeah i think I, I i'm not sure what the market value is for mackenzie alexander um but i think you know there's options out there for the broncos to improve the cornerback position in free agency everyone is keying in on the draft because i think the broncos are in prime position to get one of the top two corners there but the Broncos have been known to whatever the position we're looking at early in the draft process, they fill it uh, in free agency. Yeah. And uh, what, what two names to keep a close eye on one of them is Mackenzie Alexander. And of course the other is Xavier Rhodes that we talked about a bit, but both big time connections with Minnesota, or those are two guys that the Broncos will avoid with a 10 foot vacuum pole because, uh, because George Payton will say, I've been around these guys. And I don't want anything to do with them. Well, the other thing with Alexander is he's purely a slot corner. And so if you bring in Alexander, that means for as long as Bryce Callahan is healthy, you're going to play him. You're going to play him on the outside. And is that the, is that the best role allocation of resource? And that's why uh, I, I could see them going in another direction for that other corner. Although I think Xavier Rhodes should be at the top of their list. Rhodes just makes too much sense. Yeah. Uh, this might not. This might come as a surprise to you guys, but also count me in on Cheetah Bay Awuzie. Oh, yep. <laughs> yeah, that does not surprise. I think we brought up his name yesterday, and I said, I know Ryan will get behind this. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I want to say about Cheeto is he, first of all, is an insane athlete. Like he's a guy who can do a standing backflip just with ease. Um, but he also plays the game with a tenacity that I really, really love. You know, he plays corner. He plays the game with the tenacity of a, of a old school middle linebacker. Uh, and I think that, you know, that type of stuff can really 
help bring an identity to a defense. Well, you know, Vic Fangio will absolutely love that type of type of mentality. But so Ryan, my question is what happened last year with him getting benched and why, why would the Cowboys be looking to move on from a second round pick injuries? Uh, he's just been banged up too much. And I think that played a role in him getting benched last year. I just think he wasn't, you know, it wasn't hundred percent healthy and dealing with that and just wasn't able to make plays the way that he's used to. So are we talking about a prove it deal for him? One year prove it deal, especially this year where we could be seeing more prove it deals than ever. If you could get that, do it. Well, you do that. And then you, then you can pair it up with a first round pick second round cornerback. And and there you go. You're probably feeling pretty good going into the season. 100%. Next one coming in from Hey Duke, a, a bead, a bite is, I always forget. A, abides abides as in, in the reference to uh big lebowski the dude abides oh of course of course hey duke abides there we go looking back on yesterday's discussion about guys who could benefit from a fresh start in light of the rumor mill cranking about the broncos not picking up Vaughn's option is is he someone is he someone who could actually benefit from a fresh start over the last few years it just feels like Vaughn has been increasingly frustrated which i get too much losing injuries and so on it's pretty reminiscent of chris harris jr last season don't get me wrong i hate the idea of seeing vaughn going elsewhere and i do believe he has some good football left in him i hope we can negotiate an extension and keep vaughn here but my gut tells me the chances are 50 50 at best at the very least i hope he goes out of the division if he does leave the uh the misuse of hyphens really tripping you up there zach it certainly was (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean he's absolutely one of those guys i think that if Von Miller were to be let go by the Broncos and signed with a true contender, you would see the best version of Von Miller that there is. Um, I think he could have a 15 sack season on a winner. Uh, I think that he could, uh, you know, just dominate. Let's go back to the plan from Vance Joseph, right? Uh, when you're ahead, you get to pin your ears back. Those guys get to tee off on the quarterback and it's just a totally different world that you're living in. And I think, you know, playing in Buffalo or playing in Green Bay or in one of those places where those teams build leads, uh, I think he really would have a great season. So, yeah, I think he's actually probably top of my list in terms of guys who could use a, a change of scenery. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. What about Von Miller and J.J. Watt going up to Green Bay and what pairing about- up together? What about Von Miller? Uh, and I doubt they have the cap space for this, but uh, going and pairing up with his old friend Shaq Barrett. Oh, man. Is, he- is Shaq, who's wearing 58? Uh, I mean, Shaq is wearing 58. <laughs> yeah. Von will go back to 40. Oh, wait. No, yeah. Devin White's 45, right? Yeah, I think. And he could do 40. He's hinted at, at wanting to do that a lot this past year. Right. Oh, we lost Mace there for a second. Um, maybe permanently. Who knows? Because <laughs> we're down to the last question here. What's up, guys? What are some real expe- realistic expectations for the offensive line next season? Does Bulls keep up the level of play? Does Reisner continue to improve after an up-and-down sophomore season? Does Cushenberry become the long-term answer at center? Does Moody see some more playing time? Can Glasgow and his cap hit get launched into the sun. Does Juwan James remember how to play football? All joking aside, I'm pretty optimistic that the overall play will continue to trend upwards. 
there certainly are some questions and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, boy, there are some serious questions here. Uh, Graham Glasgow isn't going anywhere for this year. He's sticking around you. You will lose money by moving on from him as opposed to just keeping him. And he will be the starter. Um, but I think we'll find out in the first half of the season, whether Lloyd Cushenberry is the answer, because Ryan, if Lloyd Cushenberry isn't the answer and you find that out in the first half of the season you slide glasgow to center and then you get to see natani muti play and give him the second half of the season to show if he can be that dude and he can stay healthy uh and cushionberry's going to get the benefit of the doubt so i i even hesitate saying half a season he may get even more time than that uh but we know that glasgow's ready to play center vic said it at the end of the season i disagree with you uh pretty strongly that he gets half the season I think he gets the first half of training camp. Um, I think that the wrong, and that might even be generous. I think it might be open competition at right guard and center. Uh, And that means that one of those guys is going to get it. Meaning, you know, Glasgow will occupy one of the positions, but I think they're going to work him in at center see if they like that with Natani Muti at right guard. And I think there's a very decent chance that that could be your opening day starting lineup on the offensive line. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. And they're just going to have to decide whose upside do they like more, Natani Muti, who they only saw one game of, but he was pretty darn good, or Lloyd Cushenberry, who had, Vic Fangio's got his back. So I like that. And then Ryan, right tackle, no one can say uh, that that Juwan James is going to be the starter for all 16 games. You would be absolutely crazy to say that. So that's something that the Broncos, that, that may be the most difficult position outside of quarterback for them to address. Do they spend big money? Do they use a top draft pick? Do they cross their fingers and hope that Juwan James turns out to be the guy? It's a tough situation. They, I mean, they have to know better than we do, right? Um and man, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some really tough conversations going on behind the scenes in terms of like, Jawan, like, are you sure you don't want to retire? Right. Um, like, those are the type of things that I think could be legitimately happening. Um, maybe there's a settlement on a release where, hey, we'll pay you this much money to terminate your contract like I think there's some tough conversations going on behind the behind the scenes or maybe I'm totally wrong about that and Mike Munchak is saying Juwan James is fine I completely respect his decision to opt out last season and uh when he comes back he's gonna be a beast maybe I'm off on this but I think there's probably some tough conversations going on behind the scenes And what you really hope and what you need, Ryan, is you need the left side of your offensive line to have no questions because we just talked about how there could be significant questions in the middle and on the right side of your offensive line. Garrett Bowles needs to be the player that you paid him to be, and that's a $17 million left tackle, which he absolutely was last year, even better than that. But he has to be that again this year. And also, you need Dalton Reisner to take that step forward and show the progress that he showed his rookie season. Yep, agree, agree, agree. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. Before we get out of here, shout out to Green Mountain Dental Group. I told you about them before. True members of the DNVR family. I saw, I met them. They came down to the bar for an Avs game with a big family, every single one of them wearing an Avs jersey. And those are the types of businesses I like to support. 
the ones that are uh, members of the DNVR family. They truly are in every sense of the word. They've supported us throughout the entirety of the pandemic, which means a lot to us as well. So remember, if you sign up for a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush uh, from Green Mountain Dental Group. That's going to wrap it up for us today. We will talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast.